Welcome to Campfire Football. This is episode 117, a chat with Dion Von Moltke. So about a month ago, Dion sent me a message sort of out of the cold saying, hey, I've got a story for your audience. And I didn't know where he found me or how, so I was a little curious, but I'm always down to collaborate with people because I think it's amazing what kind of conversations you'll have, especially with someone who doesn't actually come from the world of football. So Dion is a 10-year racing driver who started a company called Blaze that offers high-quality 1v1 coaching for athletes and help them get connected with really top-quality educators. So these are professionals in their sports. It's a pretty cool idea, and I think it's great for the types of players that I work with. So welcome to Campfire Football, Dion. Yeah, we're rolling. Oh, okay, we're in. Go. <laughs> Dive I, right in. <laughs> yeah, I prefer it that way anyways. Totally, man. Way more organic. Indeed, yeah. So, Dion Von Moltke, is that right? Yeah, man, you nailed it. All right, sweet. Yeah, I, it's uh, <laughs> that that's Dutch origin, right? German. German origin, okay. And German. So the Von will always be German. The Van will always be Dutch. That's right. I think when I say I say always, like with a lot of confidence. I'm pretty sure that it's always the case, but you never know. <laughs> we'll say we'll say traditionally it always was, and probably now it's a little. There bit more we go. Mixed. That's the nice saver right there. <laughs> and so your, but your family uh, is from South Africa. Is that correct? Yeah. My yeah, exactly. So my uh my both my parents were born and, and grew up uh, in South Africa. They lived there until they were 18, 20 years old and then they immigrated to the United States and uh I was born in the States and lived here for most of my life. We spent a little bit of time in Australia, uh but moving around a lot and and recently, well, gosh, 6 years ago now my parents moved back to South Africa. And so where did you grow up in the US? Uh, let's see. I was born in Houston, lived there for two weeks, never been back. Don't know anything about it. Uh, we then went to, to Dallas, lived there for seven years, went from Dallas to Sydney, Sydney to LA, LA to Miami, Miami to Charleston, Charleston, to the Bay area. And now we're in Austin. So we've kind of got all the coasts covered for the most part here in the United States. You're back in Texas though, but, and you've made a back point in not Texas. to go back to Houston. Okay. That's good. Yeah, you know, Austin was, you know, a little bit more us when you look at kind of the, the Texas uh, state and what we're looking for next in life. Um, so we were we just recently moved to LA only a few months ago. Um, so getting back into the whole Texas vibe, which is fun. Where are you That's, based? I am in Denver, Colorado. I was oh, man, a beautiful born in, place. Born in California, spent six months there. Don't remember it. New York for about <laughs> yep. a year and a half. My dad had a job, and then they moved to Colorado back in the mid '80s, which was a weird time to come here. And uh, yeah. my parents both just stayed. My dad's from England. My mom's from France. And you know, they, they like I said, their whole their whole families are over there, and they just came and found Colorado and stuck around oh, and loved it. So <laughs> it's such a beautiful part of the world. Yeah, it's great. I it's hard hard to uh, imagine a place that I, I genuinely believe has actually better weather because we have everything, but it's just it's never extreme. That's what I like about it here. It's never extreme. So I think it depends a little bit. I think the African in me, like when it's hundred degrees outside, I'm very happy. I love it hot, and that's you know one of the things that we struggled with in the Bay Area is it's like always sixty five degrees, and I'm like, man, I need to sweat. I need the heat. Where is it? <laughs> and, but a, ne so a negative five Celsius is not really what's up your alley either though no not really i'm no, not, not i'm not, not a, like i am very much like give me the hot weather i'm not a cold weather fan i don't want it like in the middle i don't want it like intermediate i'm like give me the heat <laughs> so for anyone listening uh you didn't live in all these places playing for a professional soccer team right because no this is what maybe a lot not. of people might be wondering <laughs> what 
who is Dion von Moltke? I'm going to, I'm going to Google him and find that he was, you know, playing in this league and that league. No, actually it's more fun than this. You are a racer, an auto racer. Were, yeah, are were I? You'd still do it a little bit, but I was I was fortunate enough to to race cars professionally for, gosh, a little over ten years. And then you went on to basically just start your own entrepreneurship life, right? <laughs> so yeah, just to kind of put it out there, you you also one of the biggest things that you focus on in terms of sport really is like performance. Um, not just performance in terms of basic coaching, but also you, you've gotten interested in crossing different sports and mm -hmm. finding a way for people to be able to access the right kind of coaching, but also the right messaging in terms of how you approach difficulty in sport mm -hmm. Yeah, and just well, how I you mean, get I better on your own in, in a sense. So go ahead. Tell us yes. about, tell us about that. I I think, you know, taking a step back here, right, uh, you know, when I grew up, in, and I know motorsports is like this little weird little bubble in, in, in the sporting ecosystem, um, you know, kind of a, a, a quick three-minute kind of backstory to how I ended up founding Blaze and running Blaze now, which is a private one-on-one -on -one coaching platform that connects amateur enthusiast athletes with professional athletes to learn one-on-one -on -one from. So, you know, I, I mentioned earlier in my life, I was living in LA at the time I was actually playing soccer and I was, you know, sixth grade. So still really, really young, 11, 12 years old. And I was one of the better kids on the field and, and doing really, really well. We moved to Miami and I went from being probably one of the best kids in the league to one of the worst kids in the league, like overnight. <laughs> and, you know, and, you know, at the time it was like, you know, I, I, what the, what the hell just happened? Like, how did I go from being great to terrible bench player barely making the teens and you know like any other kid i thought i was working hard i went to team practices and i practiced hard and i just never really got better and you know we didn't really have a, a thought around like like we just have the expectations if you go to team practice you learn from your head coach and that's all you should do and that's what what you do to get better the reality is not that at all, right? So I left soccer and, and picked up auto racing and started in go-karts and worked my way up to doing state championships and national championships and world championships and progressed up the ladder to cars and raced professionally for 10 years. And always throughout my racing career, you know, it's, I always did some coaching on the side, like a lot of professional athletes do. And as my career started to wind down, I got more active in coaching and sort of became one of the top, you know, I would say two, three coaches uh, in our, in our sport. And what I found was when I would go to amateur enthusiast race weekends and think about this, like a, like going to a high school or middle school soccer game anywhere around the country, but rather than 13 to 15 year old kids, you have 55 year old adults out there doing it for fun, right? Think about like uh, an adult tennis league or something like that. And so what I found was what I would coach would be the exact opposite of what your like local guru or YouTube guru would be coaching them. So I took a step back. So why are people not learning from high quality professional coaches, especially in a sport that has the risk factor that yeah. motorsports has, right? And what I found was there's really two factors. One is accessibility. Who are the right coaches? Am I ready for the right coaches? I feel like I need to be good enough to even learn from them. And, and, and how do I even get in contact with them? And then number two is affordability. Good coaches are really expensive, right? And when you look at the, the business model of coaching, it sucks, 
right? The only way for me to scale myself as a coach is to charge more on an hourly rate, right? It's the only way for me to do that. But every time I increase my 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 rate, I outprice myself to more and more of the market. So me as being one of the highest quality coaches in our sport, I outpriced myself to 95, 98% of the market, right? So now I've got a very small group of people that can't afford to learn from me. I want to make a bigger impact, but I can't, right? And what ends up happening is you, you look at the ecosystem and the economics, your average coach in the United States makes $35,000 a year. Anyone that's really good quality is just not going to go out there and really work for that amount of money. And that's created this dynamic now when you look across the sporting ecosystem, 5% of youth coaches have any, let me emphasize that, any relevant training. 5%. So now you have this whole ecosystem of coaches that aren't really coaches, that the people that are high quality, a lot of my peers actively choosing not to coach because you can't make enough money doing it. And the as education on the internet and then all of that started to, to sort of expand, we've been using it in the wrong way, in my opinion. So I'm a big believer that coaching needs to be personalized. As much as I want to go watch that Steph Curry masterclass on becoming a better three-point shooter, that is not really going to make a big impact for me. It's not going to really help me. Someone has to see, what am I doing wrong? What's the root cause of where, like the first fundamental, how do I fix that? And then continue to progress and work and tweak. And it's iterative, right? So what we've what I became passionate about was good coaches are really important. In fact, if you look at the 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 impact roles or, or relationships that we have early in our lives or at any point in our lives, coaches are kind of near the top of the, the, the pyramid here of the highest impact role. And the truth of the matter here is a coach is going to make a big impact, whether they're a good coach or a bad coach. So they're just going to make a really big positive impact or a really big negative impact, right? We've all had those, those negative coaches and we've all had great coaches. So we've seen that. And so what I became passionate about is how do we use technology to expand my reach, but do it in a way that's personalized. No more of these crap generic courses that I'm going to go watch in 20 minutes and all of, all of a sudden I know everything. No, we're going to do build a platform where you're going to send me your video, whether it's game film, whether it's training film, you can film on any camera. Let's say you've got a huddle link to your game film or you're just filming off your phone in your backyard. All of that video has so much value from a coaching perspective. And as a coach, I can now work from anywhere, work anytime, do it in a personalized manner. I can fragment my costs so that it's way more affordable, way more accessible to learn one-on-one -on -one with world-class coaches, no matter where you live, and build a relationship with them. And that's what we're really building here at Blaze is this kind of one-to-one, -one more affordable uh, access to private, individualized coaching that we take the time to make sure it's supplementing what you do in the in-person head coach platform, right? It's not this contradictory stuff. No, our coaches are current players in the NWSL. We have a coach that used to be at the LA Galaxy. People that want to make the, the impact that are high quality, know what they're talking about, but we're doing it for 95% less than what it would cost to work with them one-on-one -on -one in person. And now you don't have to be in LA or in San Francisco or in Miami or wherever the, like the, you know, in metropolitan cities, you can live wherever and learn from them. Hopefully that sort of makes sense at the thousand foot view. Oh, I, I, I think it's great. I think you also touched on like a lot of really interesting topics there because uh, 
what you said, I think is it is interesting how it does cross all sports. Um, I would I, I would love to know which sports, it, you know, I, I would imagine probably the more individualized um, ones like like maybe like tennis or golf, things like that, where coaches may have just a little bit more uh, genuine expertise and, and, and education. Mm-hmm. then you have a sport like soccer where i mean there are a lot of people who have literally just they finished playing and then they didn't know what to do and then they got a job as a coach as an assistant coach or whatever and they just kept doing it and they've gone through maybe one or two licensing courses and then they're like a director and a lot of them have never actually done any kind of education on like for instance how children learn like just that basic thing and you're out there trying to teach kids so what you said is it's it is fascinating and it is it's shocking how many coaches you know colleagues of mine you know i've seen who i'm like i'm amazed how little education they have regarding their job just the curiosity they have but also obviously the lack of requirements is is pretty pretty stunning (laughs) Um, and I inter- inter- yeah, interface with a exactly. lot of parents. And one of the things that the parents, um, they don't seem to understand that like, just like we're in a country where we don't like, where the uh, there is a large debate about whether or not healthcare should be provided. I don't think that we're at the point where youth sports are going to be free from like taxpayer money is not going to pay for youth sports and coaches across no. the board. Like it is that would in be, other countries. That would be nice. Yeah, That would be great. That would be it? nice, man. Imagine yeah, if we were valued sports like is just that. way too freaking expensive. Yeah, exactly. And, but it's interesting. So you kind of talked about the difference between team sports and individual sports. I actually think the dynamics are are more similar than you would ever ever imagine, right? Like the you look at a sport like tennis. So many coaches are like, "Well, I'm 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 I, I'm not going to be able to really crack the top thousand, top five hundred as a tennis pro. Even hell, the top two hundred as a tennis pro." So I could maybe try to scrape by a professional career making 30, 40 K a year, but then I've got my expenses. Let me just coach. Cause it seems a lot easier. And then, you know, they don't, they're not really like out there trying to learn about it. And how do I get better? How do I communicate it? They're like, you know, let me just go you know, hit the ball around tell someone to, you know, a little bit more topspin, a little bit more topspin. You're good. Right. Like that's not <laughs> really coaching. Um, but you know, the interesting thing here is it's, it exists in every sport. It exists beyond sports, right? When we started this company, I I didn't realize the problem that we were trying to solve was beyond motorsports. Like I thought motorsports, we're our own little weird bubble. Uh, it's hard to find coaches. It's just got to be this problem that's here. And then luckily in my career during the off seasons, I would go and train at Exos, which is one of the top facilities in the United States. They train like the German national soccer team. They train most NFL top round one prospects and all of this i uh, went, went to img and talked to a lot of the coaches there and saw wait they're dealing with the same stuff and when we've launched this man we've had coaches from almost every single sport reach out i've had surgeons reach out wanting to use a platform for coaching and surgery you you have musicians and artists and all of this anywhere education happens we have the same problems right um so yeah that makes a lot of sense it's, it, for us it's now how do we do this right so we built the business. We built Blaze initially in motorsports, which is my background. We've worked with more than 1,200 amateur racers from a group of you know 10 to 15 coaches. We can keep the coaching team really small, really high quality. We're now expanding. 
And we're not expanding into 30 sports. We're not expanding into two sports. We're expanding into one sport. We're expanding into soccer. And the, the bet for us really was we wanted to find what is the opposite sport from motorsports in every way that you can imagine, <laughs> right? Soccer's, soccer's that, right? It's a team sport versus an individual sport. It's more of a youth sport versus more of a little bit more of an adult sport. Um, you know, it's filmed in different ways. It's communicated in different ways because we wanted to stress test what we do and, and, and really say, hey, does this make sense? Because if you can make it make sense in motorsports, you can make it make sense in soccer. It's going to work everywhere. Uh, and we've been really, really blown away with the reception, the feedback, the the the, the positivity that this comes off in, in the soccer ecosystem, which I was really surprised by. I thought we were going to face a little bit more hesitation, especially because you have this dynamic of team practices, the team head coach, and now you have an individual but what I've what I've learned in the years that's progressed since I was a soccer player in middle school is at least from the, the knowledge of coaches. Now, I think from families and parents, th this isn't as obvious, but coaches now know, hey, in team practices, I don't have the time to focus on every player's individual skill. Yeah, that's team huge. Practices are, you know, tactical. What's going to improve the team? And. I don't even have the time outside of practice to go work individually with everyone, right? Like most, most uh, coaches are teaching on the side or, or working with 60 different kids or whatever it might be. They don't have the uh, capacity to give each and every kid the individualized focus they need. And we can really help supplement that with high quality coaches that take the time to understand what the head coach wants out of them, the systems and all of that. Um, and I think that's the, the magic of, of this is how supplementary and how, you know, team practices are tactical, what's going to make the team better, but you've got to build individual skills. And that's typically something that you're going to do outside of team practices. Um, and that's, that's been surprising to me on, on the, how coaches look at that and how that's changed over the last decade. Well, and one thing that, this does address and it's something that i battle with a lot because look the ecosystem of soccer is deep you experience that yourself you're like i'm one of the better players and you move then you're like whoa there's levels <laughs> what happens uh, yeah <laughs> so a lot of a lot of parents i talk to and a lot of i mean players can dream parents are the ones that need to be able to go what's the real landscape what are what what are we doing what's what makes the most sense for our kid and a lot of them don't really know, so they ask. And then there's people that just I, I I say people that chase the dragon, right? People that are just they will mm -hmm. they will pay for every camp, they will pay for uh, endless private sessions in every single way. And in one way, they've got mm -hmm. something right. It's like the stuff outside of team practice is necessary if you want to do well. To me, there's also the side mm -hmm. where if kids aren't self motivated to sort of do anything on their own, 100%. they're also just never going to improve. However, the 1v1 coaching this is an arena that a lot of a, a lot of parents and players they don't know what a good session is or what a good coach brings to the table versus someone who's brought out the toys and is just collecting the check and i'm yeah, sure you doing know the exactly instagram videos right exactly well or so. or just bringing out tons of gear for two kids you know you're there for an hour setting up gear for two kids and, and yep. there's all these toys and stuff that they'll never see on a field. And I think a lot of people are like, well, what, what is proper 1v1 training? So what do you think at Blaze has been, uh, especially because you, you said you're, you're diving into this sport, really focusing on that. What have you seen the coaches bring that you think is 
or that you've heard as well is different from the sort of broad landscape that exists outside of blaze i love i love this question right um so first there's, there's a few answers here first and foremost everything we do is focused on what's going to drive performance in the actual games right we don't care about your you know tiktok videos your instagram videos the fancy fancy skills right it's what's the game performance so first and foremost one of the major things that we do are send us your game film we're going to review your game film focused on you and whenever you submit it it's like copy paste your huddle link or your vo link or even if your your parents filming from the stands on their iphone right um send us through tell us like what system you play in you know obviously we will go through a whole kind of questionnaire where we know what what position you play and what your goals are and, and all that and that's taking the time to know a player's goals right not every player wants to go play d1 or wants to try to go pro and it's really important for a coach to know hey are you just trying to make the jv team are you just trying to make the varsity team or are you like a really really kind of i want to go pro so understanding what does the player want where are they where are they in their journey looking at the game film and forming our weekly individual training programs based off of what we see in the game film, talking about the tactical positioning, uh, skills, knowledge of the game. And that, that last word is what leads me into sort of the main thing that I think is one of our secrets, our secret sauces and it's knowledge. When I think back to my career, I'm going to go through a kind of a really quick story here. I grew up racing with um, these two brothers, uh, Ricky Taylor and Jordan Taylor. And we were friends with them for a long time because their parents are South African. They lived in Florida. We grew up kind of racing against each other and karting. We then kind of progressed up the ladder at the same time. We actually all went pro together almost at the same oh, time. Cool. Yeah. And so, you know, we raced all professionally for 10 years and, and, you look at kind of where I am now, I'm mostly retired and I was really fortunate enough to have a, a good career. I wouldn't call it a great career. I've won some of the largest races, did a little bit of work for manufacturers. He's still racing professionally. He's won way more championships than I've won, won bigger races than I've won. And, you know, after I retired, we kind of went out and got some drinks together and just were, were spitballing. And when we talked about motorsports, and let me remind you, I was, you know, probably a top 100 driver in the world, maybe 150 in the world or so, top level, professional, won big races, drove for big teams, did very well. His layer and depth of knowledge of our sport was just significantly higher than mine. Mm. And this is at the professional level. And when I took a step back and I kind of looked at our careers, one of the things I noticed is his dad was a professional driver, owned a, a top-level team. When he jumped into the pro ranks, he was paired with uh, a driver that was, you know, still very quick, but the older in, the, in their in, in their age was, you know, within two, three, four, five years of retiring, and got to learn with him. For me, I joined a new team. I was immediately expected to be kind of like the the, the I don't want to use the word superstar, but expect, expected to be the main person on the team pretty quickly and jump from team to team to team and eventually kind of drove with some some drop top level drivers, but never really got to like learn from them. And the the I am a hundred percent certain the difference why his success versus my success, it wasn't talent. I was better at the junior levels, I was better on the way up, I was better on our initial uh careers as professionals but he just consistently got better and better and better and better at, and I'm talking about the pro ranks, right? Mm. Um, and it was that knowledge. That's the difference in our career. If you extend that down, the knowledge that he has that you build in the pro professional ranks and it, it, and you can distill that down to 
whether it's a, a 14, 13, 11 year old that has the posters on the wall that's dreaming of going pros, or if it's, you know, look at a lot of the customers I work with that are 55 year old affluent, you know, uh, people that are driving for fun, but want to learn the proper techniques of, of how to drive, drive a race car. That level of knowledge, the ability to communicate it, know when someone needs to know something, what they need to know, how and why, there's so much magic in that. Uh, and I just see it immediately. Like one of our, our I, I kind of watched some of our coaching sessions on the soccer side. And, you know, I look at, at Cassie Miller, who's currently, she played in the NWSL championship game last year for the Chicago Red Stars starting goalkeeper. She's yeah. on the Kansas City Current right now. She's phenomenal and just an amazing human being. And she's working with uh, this, this rock star of an individual, Aubrey, who's 14 years old. Uh, she's, you know, uh, unbelievable player goalkeeper as well and there's just so many little moments you know Aubrey sent in two videos of of getting scored on and obviously it was you know kind of confidence was low didn't know what was happening and what Cassie was able to break down was she she reviewed the game film showed Aubrey hey when that player is stepping in the top of the 18 box most youth coaches are telling you to move forward and what ends up happening is they take the shot from there the ball is going just beyond your fingertips what you actually need to do in that moment is take a step back to increase the amount of time you've got to react to shots. And then the moment is Cassie then pulled up the video of her practicing that week from the team facilities, practicing that exact thing and talk about how she is working on taking the step back as they talk to work to the top of the box. And that like, where else do you get the knowledge of someone that's a per current professional that's not just, hey, I'm a pro athlete, cool, but as a great communicator that is able to give you these little tippets and, and little differences and review your film and personalize it to you. And then you, you hop on monthly calls with them. You get the chat message with them. They're giving you training plans, all of that. And by the way, we charge like a dollar a day, right? It's super affordable. And there's so much power in that. So for me, the main thing is that access to knowledge it, it, it's I can't express how much of a difference it makes at the top level, let alone at, at a younger age. It's an exponential advantage when you get that. Oh, for sure. So when then let's say take your average coach that you guys have on there. How many how many players do they work with on average? Because at so one on one, we, they've we only got things, so much time. Exactly. We keep things really, really small here. Uh, and we're just starting to get launched into soccer. So let me, let me talk about motorsports just because we have more data Go there. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I, I keep my team really small. I work with about 22 drivers. That's it. Most coaches are, are in the 10 to 15 or so. Um, but the way that this sort of works is every individual, every coaching session, I'm not working with 20 people. I'm working with you. You're going to send me your video and it could be training film. It could be 10 minutes of game film. It could be a half a game film. It could be a whole game film. And in that coaching session, I'm looking at you. I'm looking at what you're doing and I'm only talking to you and only focused on you. So you send it in, you sit back, relax, your coach asynchronously goes through it, reviews it, adds notes. They film that coaching session. They upload it to your dashboard. And the best thing is now you can watch and rewatch your coaching sessions on the Blaze platform anytime. So you don't have to remember like, ah, crap, what did coach say about this? Or what, what that? No, I go back, I watch it. They're all easy. They're all um, easy to distill information from. It's 10 to 15 minutes. It's personalized to you. It's actionable. It's not too much information. It's the right amount of information to help you make the next step. 
Then you send your next game. Let's review that. Did we succeed? No. Yes. Okay. What's the next thing based off of that? So it's that iterative process is what's really important. I, and, and you said 10 to 15. I was thinking to myself, I was like, yep, that's, that's about the number that I would take on if I was doing that. Because mm-hmm. once you go farther than that, you start to go, wait, 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 you, you, you may just start to mix your messages a little bit. And you do want it to yeah. be personalized to the point where, like you said, uh, someone is able to give you a small detail that goes a long way because that advice you just made about the goalkeeper. I mean, I coach, I've got a team of U13 boys. Okay. I've got mm-hmm. one goalie that's like tall, but he, he doesn't really have much spring or jump yet, right? He's just a tall kid mm-hmm. that just kind of, you know, <laughs> still growing into his, body. his arms a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and then I've got another one that's a lot more like balanced as an athlete, normal height and stuff mm-hmm. like that good hands but like there's only there's only so high you can reach right so i see kids in those situations i see kids in a lot of situations just take yeah they make just the wrong two steps and it Mm -hmm. it makes everything more difficult for them and then a lot of a lot of them they, they they never get the coaching to understand that so another example um i had a U15 boys team in the spring. So these guys were uh, either freshmen in high school or like eighth graders, right? That was the, mm-hmm. the age range. And one day I was just like, all right, that's it, guys. Like your shooting technique is is broadly terrible. I was like, there's almost <laughs> no one here that I've seen shoot a ball correctly. And we're literally just doing goal scoring and shooting. Like it's, it, but we're doing an activity sort of game because I, I always make sure my sessions have decisions and opposition. You if, if, if it's love it, if there's, if it's just, you know, repetition, technical training, I I don't do it because I need them to learn. And we also need to do things as a team and all that. Mm -hmm. And the shooting was so bad. I was like, that's it. I'm going to break down, break this down technically for you guys. So you can actually think about this. Mm -hmm. And what I was then told was, uh, in the last four years of playing competitive soccer, I've never once had a coach break down shooting technique. Uh, so, this like, so this oh, is where we this. get into that weird place where people, where we end up going, okay, we're not doing isolated technical work because a, we, you know, there's all the things you said, I don't have the time to really do this at team mm-hmm. training and really get at each player. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, if we never do it, they actually never learn unless they're going out and doing 1v1 but we still have to plant the seeds somewhere so Mm -hmm. how how have you noticed that i mean again like you see this more in racing tell me tell me about that oh man i like this is so so true the the thing that has surprised me the most um starting this company and coaching you know i would gosh myself i probably coached hundreds of drivers now i way overestimated the how do i word this i way overestimated the knowledge of fundamentals that my customers have. I, you know, when you start this, you know, in, in motorsports, if I think about like some of the most basic concepts would be like in this specific corner, is it an entry speed corner or is it an exit speed corner? I know that sounds like complete gibberish to, to most soccer fans, but essentially that like knowing what your priority is in this, this one corner to me, it's like that's day one stuff. And what I realized when we first started this company and I was first coaching, I I was four steps above that. And I thought I was teaching really rudimentary basic stuff, but I realized, wait, no, no, no. it's 
I need to go four layers deeper because no one is really taught enough and consistently the right fundamentals. And for us, that's this literally it, it what we do. And one of the challenges that we really have is all of our coaches know this. All of our coaches want to spend 10 X more time on fundamentals than most customers really want. They want this. They, they, most people think I've got to do these fancy things and it doesn't matter what sport it is, but really those fancy things are just a slight evolution of fundamental technique. And if you look at most professional athletes that are at the top of their game, they're still today, they're practicing their fundamentals. You'll look at Steph Curry before pregame, right? It's, it's free throws and then he backs up his three point shooting. Then he backs up. He's not really every once in a while do some crazy fun things, but it's more the warm up, the practice is fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. And it doesn't, I don't care what sport you're in. We gloss right over it. And what ends up happening is you look at kind of quality of coaches, the, the younger, the athlete, the lower percent chance of having quality coaches right? So at the age where we should be learning fundamentals proper, they're, they're jumping over that. They're trying to go and too far and to learn other things. And then you progress up the system, your expectations of the tactical knowledge of the fancier skills of the game continue to increase, but the, the, the fundamentals continue to get left behind and left behind and left behind. And, and, and nobody, you know, doesn't make good Instagram or TikTok videos to go work out and the boring, pass and receiving against the wall, right? Uh, and that's a lot of what we do is really breaking down fundamentals, getting those reps in there, making sure we're hitting that right. Because it, when stress goes up, when anxiety goes up, when movement, you're, you have to be kind of more decision-making. What's the first thing to break down? Your fundamentals. So if you don't really have great rock solid foundation to build off of, when it's the most important moments, you're going to fail. Right. And that's where we're really focused. And that sounds really harsh, the word fail, but like that's the, the, the brutal honest truth behind it is one of the why it's so important to focus here. Uh, and that's where we spend 90 percent of our energy. Well, I think what I actually think fail is perfectly fine as a term because what it leads to is moments of failure that <clears throat> big or small, whether it's losing an individual duel on a field or losing precious seconds around a corner on a track like you make mistakes for a variety of reasons, but there comes a point where for anyone, the, it, bec- it you start to think it's unfixable because you don't have the tools to learn through it. Now, like you said, the more tired you get, the more anxious you get, the more pressure you start to feel, that's when fundamentals first go, which is totally true. The key is that's also the ultimate moment of learning. 100%, so right. if your fundamentals are sound, you can approach that ultimate moment of learning and actually break thresholds mm-hmm. because you have the tools. And mm-hmm. it's really interesting. I mean, I did a coach education session at my club this past week. And look, I, I, I'm really happy that overall my club is over the last few years really pivoted towards like game-based training sessions. Like Amazing. do not have lines of kids passing balls in squares and and like like make it as game realistic as possible you know all the time so it, i like that now the problem is that you know they had us in there talking about what we should do we got broken into groups so then we are all we make a little session or a, an activity and then we present it and the directors will sit there and they'll just ask us questions. And they're not like interrogating us to like, well, what, why'd you do this? But they're like, 
they want you to explain through everything and they'll say is it game like and you know if you say yes they're like well why why do you have more players on one team than another right if game like means that they're even and then it's like now all of a sudden we're getting into minutia because it's like well in what situations sometimes you're in a situation where you have this and that and so in the days following I had other coaches coming up being like, dude, like, I get it, but my kids can't pass the ball correctly. <laughs> so this activity they want us to do, like, I get it, but it, it doesn't, like, it doesn't happen because they can't pass a ball correctly. No one taught them how to do that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I also deal with this with any aerial balls, balls in the air, because yep. we've got, obviously, the there's a fear for concussions. So a lot yep. of like heading the ball is tends to be outlawed in, in, in some States under the age of 12. No mm-hmm. problem with that. However, they're all scared of balls that are out of the air. None of them ha- know how to just handle, like, how do you let it come and duck and get out of the way and protect, you know, how do you, how do you yep. handle it? It's the same as falling 100%. over. How do you fall over without breaking your arm? Will you tuck, you roll, right? There's things yeah. you learn and we're taking away a lot of those little bits uh, in team training. And I think it'd be great to have it back, but overall as a a culture, the coaching is going far more game-based. And so therefore (laughs) there is a huge, huge opening for companies like yours and platforms like Mm -hmm. yours to provide quality individual coaching. Mm -hmm. So how, how, how do people become coaches on Blaze? Yeah, it's a great question. And let me the first kind of t- yeah, answer to, yeah, to that, right? Like, so one of the things that I loved about this um, is is the learning to fail and, and, you know, when you fail, taking the time to analyze and understand what happened. So many times we we think that like there's 75 things going wrong and like, you know, I, I, I look, I'm a, I love to play tennis. I'm a terrible tennis player. I'm a three, I'm like a three, oh, three, five player. And it, I am a coach in another sport. I know how this works and I try to self-analyze myself and I go through the, the, I know what I'm doing wrong thing. And I know like, let's talk about serve. I know I got to have my, my racket up. I need to protate the tossing to be in the right spot. You'd be looking, I need to have reach. I need to uh, time it right. I need all these things. And most of the time where I think I'm doing wrong is actually like the, it's three steps after what I'm actually doing wrong. Right. And I tend to overcomplicate things. And it kind of leads me into one of my favorite Tony Robbins quotes. And Tony Robbins was, uh, he tells the story a lot. And I don't know if he's necessarily like, I don't think he's a golf coach, but he plays golf a good amount. And he was out there with one of his customers and they were talking and the customer, you know, lines up a putt and misses it and misses the putt by like a mile. And, and Tony starts laughing and the guy's like, you know, what the, what the hell, man, why are you laughing at my missed putt? And he, you know, this guy customer gets all in his head and Tony's like, no, I'm, I'm just laughing because the only thing you did wrong was you were one degree off in your angle at the putter head. And that one degree off made you miss the putt by that five feet. Everything else you did was, was perfect. Just that one little tiny change would have unlocked you and how like there's so many small moments of coaching where you know you talk about like, we talk about aubrey right where she all she did was take a step forward and now the ball is over her head she didn't have that that time just that one simple take one step back gives you the time everything kind of works out for you right so a lot of times it's this these tiny little corrections and and it unlocks a lot so getting into to sort of the second part of your question is uh i don't know if it was early question more of a comment but i lack of 
you know, the, the, the focus of, of game like training coming in. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great direction, right. But it, it does overlook a lot of things for me. I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, passing against the wall for actually I, I, passing the simple exercise, passing receiving against the wall is one of the best things that you could do to get touches oh, yeah. and work on a lot of things. But, you know, I think where we focus on is when we're doing stuff like that, you need to have it. Re- you need to have it relate back to the game for the athlete. You need to tell them why we're doing this exercise, what we're really focused on and how we're going to make the changes we want. So I, I think that level of training, uh, again, leave the equipment out of it. You don't need to do anything fancy, basic stuff. But I think uh, at least relating it back to the game so the athlete kind of can visualize and understand, I think is really important. Um, but then how do you become a coach on our platform? We just have a really extensive curation process. Um, so in motorsports, I would curate every single coach on our platform. And the great thing about the way our platform works is you can't just give me your resume and say, hey, like, look at all the things that I've done. Look at all these teams, like how many teams uh, that have I mean, success they've reached. I can coach. No, you have to record coaching sessions and I can review your coaching sessions and I can hear how you communicate things, what you're communicating, the timing of your communication, all of that type of stuff. Right. So what we do in yeah. soccer is we were able to find. So uh, an amazing lead coach, Mike Semenza, he used to be at the LA Galaxy's developmental team, right? That kind of more youth focused. Uh, and he's now our lead coach. And when coaches apply to us, we have them, of course, send in their normal resumes and all of that type of stuff. But more importantly to us is we have them all record practice coaching sessions where we review them on their communication skills, on what they're focused on, how they're communicating on the why, the how, the what, all of that type of stuff. And for us, we use those as the really critical factors of, is this person good enough or not? Uh, And then we have a ton of extra education. Once we accept them, we educate them and consistently educate them and bring in speakers and stuff like that to continue to help them to learn. Um, So it's really that that kind of a little bit of a head coach approach, right? But much more focused on how do they actually coach and and an application process and curating off of that, if that makes sense. Totally. It's kind of for you, it's like... uh... You're like a general manager of a team that's, you know, hiding, hiring all these coaches because it's kind of cool, right? You need you need goalkeeper coaches for goalkeepers. You know, 100%. I was I played every other position. I, I can help with everything, but I can't help with goalkeeper. But then there's also people who, you know, uh, people with outstanding, ridiculous goal scoring records, even if they have especially the ones that have minimal uh, like clear, obvious physical and technical abilities, ones that. New, figured out how to get it done those mm-hmm. people are a trove of knowledge and so it's got to be really interesting for you to go through you know look through the psychology of people and, and be like how are you what are you going to add to this whole entire process i think and that's really cool been, it's, it's really cool and, and honestly one of the more surprising things for me is you know when you look at uh, when you look at professional racing uh, and how race car drivers communicate, um, the language they use, what they focus on, heck, you even look at their body language of how they describe driving a car. It's all almost the same. We have a common language. We have a common approach to these are these are the ways things work. In amateur racing, it's the opposite. It's the wild, wild west, right? And when you get into to, to these other sports, you start to notice very similar things. And what's really surprised me is I talked about earlier how soccer is like the opposite in every way from motorsports. But our lead soccer coach, Mike Semenza, speaks the same language that I do, mm. right? And it's it's down to 
how do we think about, you know, we had a really interesting discussion the other day where our lead motorcycle racing coach and myself, I'm the lead car racing coach and Mike Spencer, our lead soccer coach, had a discussion around fundamentals. And, you know, what our, our motorcycle racing coach did is he went and trained with a lot of top uh, fighter pilots and Navy SEALs and learned to understand how they teach fundamentals. And a lot of sports, we, we often think about like a vision and, and eyes being sort of the layer one fundamental. And, and by the way, for us, we look at fundamentals as not just one, two, three, four, but it's also really important, the order and how you teach fundamentals, the order yeah. and what, 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 like how they're taught. But we started to realize in motorsports is we initially had, you know, eyes, vision, and, and we never say like eyes up, like uh, that's the dumbest phrase. Cause like, what the hell does that actually mean? Right. We always used to have that as a number one fundamental, but we actually switched that to being number two behind vehicle placement. And as we were talking through that, Mike was just sitting there learning. He's like, man, you know what? Like I used to look at vision being the number one fundamental um, on the soccer pitch, on the soccer field. But really, you, you actually probably need to focus more on body position being number one because that's what determines where the eyes are. And we have these discussions, right? Mm. We have coaches that don't know anything about each other's sports. But there's this common way they communicate the sharing of knowledge is a real unlock because every sport has these little treasure troves of knowledge. And it's usually siloed when you break down those barriers. You think it would be like a bunch of, you know, uh, yelling at each other in different languages. But it's not that case at all. I think that's a, a an absolutely f f just fantastic point on the fact that cross no, cross pollinating knowledge between sports. Wow, it's 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 incredibly valuable there's look the the biggest sports franchises organizations teams clubs how whatever they're called in their own country <laughs> they they all operate with an ability to understand the good ones operate with an ability to understand that outside of their sport they're experts that can bring something to the table so mm -hmm. you may have a speed and agility coach that didn't actually play your sport and sometimes Okay, maybe there's downsides to it, but there's also upsides where, like you said, some of the knowledge and the ways we think about things in our sports get really siloed. And sometimes it takes someone from outside to go, I look, I don't know anything, but I have no idea why you do this this way. <laughs> and then you Got try it. and explain, well, here's why and here's the t and then you go, I, I, honestly, it's this is gibberish. Why, why do we do this this way? Right, I've yep. actually had people come up to me and go, why do soccer players wear shin guards? if like they're so small they don't actually protect their shins and don't like ankles and knees get hurt more <laughs> and i was like yeah you know I don't it's have like, an answer for that <laughs> yeah and it's like like why are players essentially not playing with like compression knee sleeves on mm -hmm. like it's kind of an idea yeah. like why why would we not be doing that if it would but we got shin guards. Like the science which, shows. By the way, I see kids trying. I mean, they're like they'll cut the thing down so that it's as tiny <laughs> Man, as I possible. I remember back when I played, that thing came up to like just below my knee. Almost. Oh yeah, and we, <laughs> when we grew up playing, there was also the whole ankle thing that went around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were yep. mental. Now I got kids. Most of my players, I mean, it's like some of them wear them during practice, and some of them just don't. And it's kind of wow. like. Well, no one really. If they get kicked, it's kind of like, dude, you should have worn your shin guards. That would have protected your shin. We can, you know, 
still gonna get stepped on by people you gotta look, you gotta look cool too right <laughs> yeah yeah that's the thing they, and some of them are just like when they're uncomfortable i don't like them i'm kind of like oh, you know it's it's yep. not a piece of equipment that is so important right that, that totally. you're like if you're not wearing it we have a problem it's not like that so yeah. it's funny i've had people from outside be like i just don't get why they wear them like what's the point you know and yep. there's a lot of things like that. i think it's it's cool that you guys are also having those conversations because I also think they need to happen more. Um, mm -hmm. And it's cool that you've got this coach who just listens to, well, what if we reorient, like what if we sort of change the orientation of our priorities on a couple things and then a coach from a different sport says, well, actually, maybe that's what we should be doing in ours. Yeah, I, I think that's, phenomenal. it's brilliant. It's, 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 it makes a, a huge difference. So uh, one thing that I found fascinating in the last two years, obviously, ever since we went on lockdown, yep, everyone needed to figure out a way. Coaches across the country, across the world, needed to figure out a way to work. Um, and I have seen, we've all seen an explosion of different different ways, whether it's video classes, um, you know, sort of online seminars, right? And then even people who have turned their garage or their basement into, you know, an, a, a mini setting where they can have small group sessions or individuals. Mm -hmm. So the market has exploded in this. And mm -hmm. basically, everyone is starting to want this kind of training. Mm -hmm. um, was, I guess, first of all, when, when did you guys start Blaze? We actually started this before pandemic. We, I started playing, like we didn't, we didn't officially launch. I started playing around with this concept in late 2018, early 2019. Okay. So you got off the ground right before things, things yeah. kicked off and, and fortuitously so, because little did you know, the private coaching arena was <laughs> going to just, it just erupt like a mega volcano. I mean, this is, yeah. this is an interesting time to be doing what you're doing. You know, it is, but what's been more surprising, to be honest to me, uh, is in the soccer market, especially how often the, the, like the most frequent question we get from parents is, well, how do you coach my kid virtually? Like, don't you have to be in person to, to learn anything? And that it's really surprising to me because if you look at kind of how learning works at the professional level, um, it's almost all done off the field when i say the word learning right so when you look at a, a team practice it's actually one of the worst environments for someone to be taking in new knowledge uh emotions are high anxiety is high there's a bit of a feel of fear of failure especially at the youth ages where you've got your peers around you right so the the, the in-person team practices are great opportunities to rep-based training to remind of what we worked off off the field but really the best opportunity for learning is video-based off the field where i can really show you specifically frame by frame millisecond by millisecond how you're manipulating your body and then what do i want you to see right and when you look at the professional level, I talked about earlier about that 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 kind of interaction with Cassie and Cassie was talking about take a step back and oh by the way look at this video of me working on this. They film every one of their practices. They all review the film of every one of their practices, and you know damn right they're doing the same thing on the game film. 
almost the film room is actually now the number one place you learn. And it's how we do it in motorsports. It's how you do it in soccer at the pro ranks. It's how basketball works. It's how all of these sports are taught at the professional level. But in youth sports and amateur sports, we think we have to be next to the person and, and changing their ankle and showing them. But in reality, for me as a coach, I most of the time need that slow motion. I need to be able to see this because I also, as a professional coach, science shows I misremember 60% of what I see, right? And that's with professional eyes. Yeah. It's closer to 96, 95% without professional eyes, right? So yes, it's exploded. Um but there's still a lot of belief of needing to be in person and, and, and the lack of belief in, in virtual coaching. Done right. And I think a lot of that is also done or it also exists because a lot of the digital evolution of, of learning and coaching sucks. A lot of it's these like boring group web uh, zoom webinars or these YouTube uh, 15 minute videos. And those, you know, it needs to be personalized. So uh, there's, it's, 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 it's an interesting challenge to help educate on that. Yeah. Well, they, uh, I was at a seminar. Well, not a seminar. I was at a coaches conference and there was a guy who did a speech um, and he sort of talks, talked about how the current young generation, you have to call them the I generation, right? With the lowercase I because of, you know, all the yeah. Apple branding, but also because everything's a lot more individualistic. Something that I found really interesting when I grew up, you copied the pros because yep. that's what you saw. You copied the pros. They were the ones that there was video of. Mm -hmm. Then there was the growing thing where you could, you know, maybe you'd get to see your own high school game because there were actually mm -hmm. stands. There were bleachers so someone could get a good view and need someone to record the game. Be, wow, this is crazy. And then in the last few years, the ability to take video of games or practices has just gotten insanely good and it's gotten to the point where the youth game i mean you walk out into you know sports soccer complexes around the country and you will see tower cameras all over the place you 100%. know there are plenty of people who are willing to invest in these uh you mentioned veo huddle there's also trace i'm sure you guys have players that come to you with that one because they were individual chips mm -hmm. which record a whole bunch of data for them and one of the girls that I coached last year, she said, I understand that I could probably improve like scoring goals if I watched videos like you ex explained to me, but I don't really like watching like professional soccer. And I was like, okay, fair enough. And she was like, but that one game that you showed the video of us playing, she was like, I've watched it a lot of times since because I like posted it privately on YouTube and gave them Amazing. all the link. And she was like, I've watched it a lot of times and I didn't know I ran like that. And it was just, <laughs> and that, that was the thing is I was like, I had the yeah. exact same feeling when I first saw myself play as a teacher for the first time. I was like, that's me. It's kind of like when you hear your voice re-recorded yep. and hundred percent. And yeah, no, this, these young people, they, they want to see themselves and rightfully <laughs> so because they will learn more watching themselves as opposed to watching someone else mean how do i look like that well you never will because you're not that like even and like that person perfectly. didn't look like that at your age no right? no no no, exactly or and 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 you can't look like that that's an adult uh, yeah. less so like it may be even be a, a man versus watching a woman like the, it, it's a totally different thing for for them yep yeah the personalized thing helps the most so i think that's really cool that it's like they bring you their game tape because yeah. I, I I can attest to that. I mean, I do 
I do game footage reviews and, and analysis for the high school varsity team I work with. And it is like the backbone of so 100%. much of what we do and so much of how we teach the players. I mean, video sessions are. Yeah, it's so huge. And, and we look at like, you know, Zoe Morse had her call this last month and she was talking about it. And she was like, for her, I mean, she's one of our coaches. She currently, I think she plays for the Chicago Red Stars right now. And she was talking about like, that's the, 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 the number one thing that made an impact in her career was the, the video analysis part of her games, right? And then, so this whole conversation, we've talked only about one element really of performance, right? And when I look at the the pillars of what I call performance, it's really physical, it's mental, and it's technique-based, right? Um, and, and for us, you know, we're very technique-based today, but we focus a lot on the mental. Eventually, we'll focus more on the physical, but I find that that's, that's handled decently well everywhere. And, you know, I, I look at, you know, a lot of these young athletes and there was actually just recently a study. I just saw it come out today from an institute in France that uh, analyzed breathing of athletes. And it was a study from, just pulling up here, I'm going to mispronounce this, uh, the Shimozoa et al. Um, and they found 90% of athletes have dysfunctional breathing. <laughs> and, yeah, that doesn't surprise right? me at all. It, 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 that I, I would, I, I didn't realize it was that high. And like, when I look back to, to my youth, I was never taught, how do you like, how do you find the zone? What is the proper pre game pre race techniques? How do you actually breathe? Why is important parasympathetic, parasympathetic nervous systems? Um, all of this type of stuff. We focus a lot on the education of not just on the field, but then also like what what am I doing off the field? What am I doing pregame? What am I doing the night before game? How does visualization work? How do I learn from there's so much there? Um, and, and a lot of that is just completely overlooked. And you can have the best skills in the world, but if you don't have the ability to mentally control yourself and mentally be able to get rid of that anxiety and deal with the pressures that you're in, you're you're just you're you're gonna be behind the eight ball and everything you do. So it's also this whole other element of, of sports that the great thing here is apply to everything in life, right? Like performance is performance, whether you're a businessman, a surgeon, an athlete, uh, I don't care what you do. It's the same root stuff. Yeah. You, you know, it's cool too. Cause I think those are the types of things that as a, as a team coach and especially from the perspective of the parents, cause what they tell me, there's certain messages that players that you coach will take from you and will listen about. And a lot of things, parents will be like, my kid doesn't listen to me for this. You have to talk to them. So when it comes to certain things about injury prevention or, you know, stuff like that, they'll listen. But if I go and start telling my my players, listen, you have to sleep consistently well on a nightly basis or else you're not going to be good at, you're not going to be able to play soccer well. Like they're like, okay, stay in your lane, coach. Right? <laughs> yeah, but totally. If you are interfacing with a full-fledged professional who's telling you, look, like there's a more holistic way of thinking about this. Like you're just thinking about practice when it's scheduled and then you go and do some of your individual stuff and then try and send me a video like, okay, but is everything else in your life geared towards performance in some way? Like, are you thinking about it at all the rest of the time? And I think that's, that is an inspirational type of figure that you for instance i would love for my players to have somebody else that they may individually work with that does help them with that kind of thing because maybe it, it 
because I think a different voice is valuable as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, I was never a professional player. So there's certain things that professional players, even if they have sort of a limited way of coaching tactics, because some say that, that they're terrible at that, but they can still <laughs> offer advice that is so, so valuable for just any young player. For sure. And like, you, I think you're spot on, right? Like different people have different, uh, uh, you're going to listen to different people in your life, right? Like when it comes to to coaching and sports, the, it never works with parents. Like it just does like, I don't care. Like if I ever have kids and, and they're coming up to racing, I'm not coaching them. Like it just won't, it won't work. Right. As a parent to parent basis, there's a, there's a, there's a wall there. Right. Um, so you, you kind of then have these different people. And I think a lot of the times when you communicate about this, a, you've got to make it interesting. Right. And then B, I think you've got to root it in storytelling and in science. And so one of the things I've seen here is, you know, I, I, I often kind of talk about the story that I experienced early in my career. I talked about that Ricky Taylor person earlier. That was kind of the knowledge base, my friend that grew up. We went to a, a training center, center in Italy together. And this was, we were probably 1920 and, and we never learned anything about the mental side of sports. So we're kind of working our way up to pro ranks, but not doing great. And we go to the center and they train the the top Formula One drivers for a long time. They used to train like Ayrton Senna, who's like oh, yeah. the god, right? And, god. and all of these people. <clears throat> Documentary so about we, him is fantastic, by the oh, way. Yeah. Anyone, anyone who hasn't seen that, go Even watch if you don't Senna. like racing, oh, it, it's so great. Yeah. Absolutely. So the, the, like, this is the top, top of the level. And so we get there and literally, you know, it's a, this little town in Via Reggio, Italy. And we get there and you shepherd into this like kind of building. And the first thing they do is reaction time test. And so what we do is we go into this building and they go into this room and think about like a, a gaming room. So if you've ever seen, like happened to see like a racing simulator, it looks like a, a gaming seat. There's like a steering wheel in front of you, there's screens. And you, so you're sitting relaxed, right? And it's air conditioned. It's like 930 in the morning. And all, the only thing we have to do is they give us these two little like remotes with two little buttons to press and we go through this like uh four or five different mental training tests the first one is literally like green light when that red light turns to green light press this button as fast as you can right and then the other test was like a a visual one where it like stops something at the right moment uh and then there was one where it like show you the color red but it'd be in yellow and you have to go as fast as you can true false and get through them right so we go through this test and of course you know we're 18 19 we're sitting next to each other like I'm going to kick your ass. Right. Um, so you're going through and you're, you're going, you're going, bow, bow, bow. go, 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 go. They come, we finish the test. They come in the room and they're like, look at that screen up there. That's your heart rate. And I kid you not air conditioned room, only moving our thumbs, our heart rates, 140, 150 beats per minute. Right. So they then say, okay, so um, you guys went in video one- game mode. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. So then they could, they like, okay, so um, here are your reaction time tests, you know, like, look how low on the list you really are. Okay. That's a confidence killer. And then by the way, these people at the top of the list, uh, their, their heart rate's about 70 beats per minute. Why are you 140 beats per minute hanging out here? Right. Because you're so tense. And yeah. what ends up happening is the tension slows you down. Uh, and then you don't know how to deal with things correctly. And then this whole other side of the, the spectrum here, where there's a, their main thing is called a, a mental economy. And when you talk about this in racing terms, you know, a Formula One driver can spend an hour and a half, two hours racing, and their heart rate would be 160 beats per minute. But then qualifying this one lap, you got to go all out one lap. They'll hit 180, 190 beats per minute, right? That extra intensity 
taxes your body physically more, that breaks down your body physically more, which will then the more that breaks down, the more the mental breakdown, the, as those things broke down, your attack, your, your uh, technique breaks down, right? So what the form of the one drivers are all training on is how do I sustain that level of intensity, but with lower calmer heart rates, so I can sustain it for a longer period of time, the focus I need, right? So you start to get into this whole uh, understanding of how the science of breathing exercises work, of, you know, is really kind of a form of meditation works to be able to, to release off that anxiety and how that relates back to pregame and how that relates back to finding the zone. And you start to really break this down and, and it has to be individualized, right? For me, what works well for me isn't necessarily gonna work well for you. Now, the general trend is going to be the same, but there's some individualized kind of testing you have to do. So, you know, presenting the knowledge, giving them access to the right people, talking about it. The, the simple act of how you handle pre-game, like if you change nothing else, you're probably going to see uh, a 2x gain in your ability on the field because of that. Like it, it's such an impactful thing, but it's just it's not spoken about. It's not known about. Um, you talk about like, you've got to be raw, raw. You've got to have grit or you got to have this, but no, no, no. What's the science? How do we, how do we do this? Right. Uh, and then how does that relate back to team sports is a really fascinating thing. Well, I, and I, you just got me thinking it, imagining you guys like all tense, right. Pushing your buttons, like as if you're, I said video game mode, right. When, yeah, when all totally, of a sudden you lean video forward, game like, mode. Oh, I'm losing. I got to le the lean forward <laughs> thing versus yeah. the, Leaning back in the couch, just kind of chilling, just boom, moving boom, your boom. thumbs, just enjoying yourself. Like mm -hmm. it's the, those two frames of mind that are different. Now, I've, I've watched a lot of videos over the last few years of, yeah, players doing individual ball work, mm -hmm. drill style stuff, all right, on their own. And it looks great because it's high intensity and it's fast and it's clean. Mm -hmm. But you just got me wondering about what kind of like what this the actual internal stress level is, because they're doing everything with the absolute proper technique, right? Like, they'll stand there, they'll do like a machine gun start, which is, you know, the feet quickly in the same place, bop, 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 and they've got their arms perfectly in the right place. Mm -hmm. And then they run through these gates, and they do these hops and back forth, touch the ball through everything looks fantastic. But my goodness, do they look wound up? <laughs> to make the performance look right at no point yeah. do i go i'm like i see someone training yeah but i don't see a baller like a yeah. baller walks through this you know goes not walks but goes through it with some ease obviously some style because you're self-expressing some fluidity yeah and yeah. and and it's because it's so choppy it's like bang 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 bang. the next thing oh and, and then and then shot and then that in the top game? corner and they're like yeah it's like when yeah, you move like that in the game, right? Like, I, so I, I, I'm not a soccer player, but I relate this sort of back to to tennis, right? In the tennis, you need, you, if you watch the pros, there is this certain whip action that they do with their hand that you can only do that with a really relaxed wrist, mm -hmm. right? To create the whip, um, to get the topspin, to get the RPMs of the ball. I would imagine with soccer, especially with shots, if you're trying to generate pace and you're trying to generate uh, control on the ball, You've got to have the relaxed shooting leg to Same be golf. able to create their whip, right? Same thing in golf, if you, right? If you're all tense in golf, you're going to smack the ball somewhere else. If I just relax and just walk up and swing, no practice mm -hmm. swing, like 
I'm going to connect well. And that's the same thing with, with soccer. We tell them con- connection is most important. And yeah, I mean, Which imagine. you would never think about, right? Like, we just sit there. Gripping yep. the steering wheel as opposed to feeling through the entire thing. And yep. yeah, I mean, that's an important thing to coach. And just that, that mentality. And when you see videos like online of like, okay, how should I work on my agility? I don't see agility. I see full on like, here's how you get explosive. <laughs> without training of how you actually build the muscles or yeah. like the the real technique and and then you've got these kids going out doing these extremely rigidly structured things where you don't actually see a relaxed person doing it's something like the, great. the old adage of like the ladder drill right and like the ladder can help with some foot eye coordination but you go to most top level training centers you're going to see a lot less ladder drills than you see on instagram Right? Oh my God. Yeah. I have two <laughs> speed ladders. I and they're bring not them... bad tools. Don't get me wrong. Right. But when you use correctly. Totally. And, and the thing is that I, I remember uh, the, f- one of the first things that really caught my eye because I enjoyed speed ladders. So I thought they were kind of fun to like learn how oh, to yeah. do the rhythm and the pattern. Right. Totally. But that's me. And mm-hmm. there's some people who look down at that thing and they literally see like chopsticks like all over the place like to them it's like wait a minute what how it's nope. like someone you know I, I liken it to dancing like there's some people who you throw them out on the dance floor and they just look at ease and there's some people who look like they're counting their steps right 100 percent. And, and to me it's this, that same kind of thing so we're watching these u19 highest level of our club boys i've got the second team the first first team is coached by another guy he's running the session and they're all doing this ladder work Mm-hmm. and the top three players on the field like when you send them out there and play the top three players they're, they're mentally strong they're technically really good and they're tactically good their brains melted at the speed ladder <laughs> they couldn't do it they couldn't do any of it it's and hilarious. that's when i was like i mean this is useless as a barometer because they're the yeah. three best players in the field and they suck at this and one of them i was like dude don't you know how to dance man he was like yeah i could always dance with my family because he was like you know proudly colombian and colombian <laughs> yep. a lot funny we're in colombia jersey now but and he he was just like i don't know coach this just doesn't make sense to me you know and and so it's like okay great you're good at a speed ladder or dribbling a soccer ball through a speed ladder again i'm just not really sure yeah 100%. Every, everything helps i will say there's nothing nothing mm-hmm. is comes out as if a you're ne- touching negative. the ball if you're touching the ball you're working on something yeah but then the yeah. question is how far is it taking you? And mm-hmm. yeah, I've, I've often wondered about this, especially that, that mental side, because over the last couple of years, I've just seen more and more kids who are 12 and 13 doing these like cone drills and agility stuff. And they look like small robots. They don't actually yeah. really look like soccer players because they don't have any yeah. ease to them. They, you know? they kind of, they emulate what they see others doing. Right. And that's what ends up happening. And then Not- of course you, you also look at, you know, you never see mistakes on those videos. Right. So now Never. they're when they do drills, you're you're we we have like we want to see those mistakes. We actually want mistakes because that shows your your work like mistakes are the learning moments, right? You you need to make them. Um, and now there's this like you know adage you don't see others making mistakes. It's one of the reasons why when they make when kids in today's world make mistakes, they they're it's more harsh on themselves from it because they just. That everything looks perfect elsewhere, right? So you also have this rigidity of not wanting to to look bad, not wanting to make mistakes. This is my path. This is how I do things. It's incredible. In sports coaching, we have actually done 
made the same mistake that like teenagers and teenage girls are making on social media where like or just in general people who are like this is a perfect way of life right here's how you travel everything's perfect everything's beautiful you're not in a single tourist trap everything you're all by yourself or every everyone's beautiful this is what you're supposed to look like all these standards and then it's and then we've we've fallen into it on social media with coaching where we're like everything needs to look perfect yeah and 100 uh, i i do appreciate people who show average levels in videos and are willing to just show that that's what they're working with because there's a lot of coaches who they're like well the kids aren't that good this isn't impressive but again that's not that's not the point right you gotta gotta start somewhere yeah it's true (laughs) yeah you put that same coach on the field 20 years ago they're probably not gonna look what they look like now (laughs) exactly yeah (laughs) totally totally but that's what makes it fun right it does and i mean working with coaches is always a cool thing i think that yeah, what you've got going is 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 really important outlet for a lot of people. And then the question is the, the next. I think the big question is the future for Blaze mm-hmm. in soccer. You, you know, are you how are you looking to sort of get more engagement? And I, I'll tell you right now, I will definitely be recommending it to we my players that. because, like I said, I think varied voices and especially quality voices mm-hmm. make a difference. So yeah. what future of Blaze over the next year or two? What do you, what do you think? That's a great like? question. Um, you know, for, for us, I mean, obviously we want to make as big of impact as we can. Like our mission is to make it accessible and affordable to learn one-on-one with the, the people that have the knowledge, the, the greatest coaches, the greatest players, right? The ones that can help distill that down and make it, make it affordable and accessible. Um, so I really hope that we can grow to be, you know, over the next year or two, helping thousands of players connect one-on-one with, with those coaches and learning from those coaches. And, you know, our big focus is building the platform that enables those coaches to be able to deliver that level of individualized, personalized focus to enough people so that they're also making good money doing it as well. Uh, you know, one of the realities of our uh, of sports and coaching is that because your average coach makes $35,000 a year, there's so many co- great coaches that choose not to do it. And now we're not incentivizing it correctly. We're trying to change that model where we're trying to help our coaches earn upwards of $200,000, $250,000 a year and earn a good living doing this. Um, And uh, we're not there yet. We we have to really figure out the demand side of things right now and and how we explain what we do to parents and kids and make sure we deliver a great product. Um, That's that's really important to us. Um, So for us, it's really continuing to, to, to advance our product. We released our mobile app in, in May. So we're, we have still a lot of things that we can be doing better there that we've got on the pipeline that I'm really excited about. Um, but then it's also about how do we continue to educate people and, and make the impact and get enough customers so that we can continue to help uh, our coaches earn right, get more coaches on the platform. And, and the cool thing here is we have a waiting list of amazing coaches that are waiting to join us. Um, and I think where we have our biggest opportunities also in women's sports and, and delivering that peer that's also women. So you'll see of our current group of, of four, four or five core coaches, um, four of them are women, four of them are ex or current NWSL players, which we're really excited about. Um, so for us, it's how do we make a big impact on people's lives? And it's not for, it's not just for the the, the players that want to go play D one or want to go play pro. Like a lot of people here at blaze. You're like, Oh, I, I gotta be good. Or I gotta be good enough. Or I gotta be elite. Or I gotta want to be elite to, 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 to be worthy of this, to have a coach like this. And that can't be the far, like that's the farthest thing from the truth for us. 
yes, we can work with those players, right? And the great thing about personalized and high quality coaches is they can work with the best of the best and they can work with the worst of the worst and help develop that, that platform. So we really want to be that resource for the everyday player that maybe they just want to make the JV team. Um, maybe they want to become a starter. Maybe they're just looking to save more goals or score more goals or have a higher possession or a higher pass percentage completion. Um, whatever those goals are, we're going to have a program that's personalized to you. That's going to help you achieve that. That's going to help build confidence in kids um, and connect them with great mentors and coaches. I think it's great. I mean, it's just cool to see yeah, the evolution of this, right? And I, I was thinking about, you know, NWSL players, uh, a lot, you know, they're not paid the same way the men are. Um, not paid fairly, that's for sure. The, the, it's, it's, yeah, it's just a different type of bracket. And so, but, but they're professionals. And so they're unbelievable. They're and, amazing at what they do. And they know, but the thing is that they also have this knowledge that is you're like, well, you know, if they can do this private coaching and make potentially more than they're making playing which that that's already that's already an interesting like just <laughs> concept to think about but yep. if that's what they're able to do that's that's really really cool because you know a lot of a lot of professionals they have to either especially when it comes to team sports they really can't do any coaching until they exit the game mm -hmm. or unless there's like small breaks in the summer they can run a little camp or whatever but until they exit the game, they just don't have the time because they can't run a team. Yep. If they're going to do individual stuff, again, it's like, well, how do I pick who? I'm like a professional. I'm a professional. And I got to find it's a field like, and equipment. Yeah, you got to do all. And... Exactly. So now this yeah. gives them the opportunity to also, yeah, just do individual coaching during their careers. You know, be an inspiration to the young players. I think it's awesome. I think it. And I appreciate that. There's, yeah, well, there's a hole for it. I mean, I. I noticed the dribble up got really, really popular for a bit. Mm -hmm. So used for different sports. <laughs> and then a lot of parents I know got that for their kids and right around the start of the pandemic. Yep. And the kids used it for a fair bit, but mm -hmm. it, it's a toy. percent, It's fun, but yeah. Eventually toys just, they, they just have a, a shelf life. Yep. And I've talked to a lot of parents who are like, well, we don't know, well, you know, they, they, at a certain point, they kind of got bored with the way the app drove them and coached them mm -hmm. but again, because it's impersonal. It's like, once again, having a, a, a proper mentor mm -hmm. is it's going to go a lot further. So for sure. And it's, it, it also, I think one of the words that you talked about earlier is how do you like internally, one of the opportunities that we were very focused on is how do we help build accountability into the kids that we work with, right? Like, let's let's be very honest here. If if someone comes to Blaze and doesn't make any effort, they're not going to get better. Like, you, there is a certain level of effort you have to commit to when you hire a coach, right? Um, but one of the things that we have the opportunity to do through technology and through how our platform works is have our coaches help with the accountability, have them teach those individual athletes. What does hard work actually look like? What does individual training actually look like? What what should I? I look back to my own soccer. I had no clue that I should be practicing outside of this outside of team practices. I had no clue. Like even in, 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 when I got into racing, I'm like, I think I'm working hard, but what does hard work actually look like? What 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 are other what are my peers doing? You have no insight into any of that, right? Now you're going to start to learn on 
based on your schedule, based on your age, based on where you want to get to. Here are the drills and ones you're working on. Here's how long to work on them. Now you're going to film yourself. We're going to make sure we're doing them correctly, right? You have all of this other stuff. And now our coaches are also helping hold them accountable. And when we talk to head coaches across the country that say, hey, I try to give my kids an individual training program, but they don't do it. Or like, mm-hmm. I don't have no clue if they do it. Uh, and now there's sort of, you've got your head coach and our coaches working together with those kids to help drive accountability. And the great thing here is once we've seen them do about two or three weeks consistently, they're hooked, they're in, they now get how this flows. And it, it doesn't have to be a lot of work, right? Like most of our programs are an extra, depending on the age, right? But an extra 30 minutes, 45 minutes worth of work a week, like it's not hard. You could do five to 10 minutes a day, or you could do it all at once, whatever, whatever's best for you. But it's just creating that action step, creating that habit is really important. You need that support system to help do it. And you, you also see our coaches, like, because they're playing professionally, they're living this, they're doing yeah. this as well, right? And they're able to kind of show, set, set that mm-hmm. example by doing it themselves. That's instant credibility, actually, yeah. is what it is. And and again, insta, instant credibility, like we talked about, where parents are telling me, look, you've got to tell them this because they don't listen to me. And again, as, as, a, as a team coach, I'd be like, you need to go talk to your individual coach about this yep. because not that you're not going to listen to me, but I need you to hear it a different way. I need yep. you to hear it from someone that's going to say it in a way that makes you connect. Oh, oh, okay. Like three people have told me this now. Now I understand it. In different ways, right? Like, and that's how learning so, works. 100%. And that's what, one of the great things about us is like, you come to our platform, we're going to we're going to ask you some learning style questions. We're going to recommend coaches to you based off of your position, your age, your skill level, and these learning questions. But then you can also go to their profiles and you can look at sample coaching sessions. We're going to watch one of our coaches coach somebody else for three, four minutes. How do they communicate, right? Um, you get to watch their welcome videos and say, hey, I want this person to be my coach. But then you can switch coaches anytime. And there's some people that are like, just don't click with my style of coaching. I like to break things down really simple. I don't like to get overly analytical. Racing's got a lot of physics involved in it. I try to avoid that. Um, there's always some root knowledge there, but then you look at someone like a, a Ricky Taylor or a, a Colin Mullen, much more analytical style coaches, uh, maybe a little bit uh, less animated, maybe a little bit more like to the point. And some people really resonate with that. Some people really resonate with me. So you can kind of find the right person for you and your learning style and what you're looking for. And then also we all have different exp- areas of expertise and you might kind of grow out of where I'm focused on. And you're like, Hey, now let me go learn from Ricky. Let me gain his knowledge because his knowledge is different. And you can really kind of pick and choose and find the right path forward. That's really beneficial too, because like I, I can imagine, let's say you guys got like a 12 year old kid who's, you know, doing racing videos and, and getting racing coaching two years later, they're different people, like not really different people, but like your voice it's two years for you. It's like five or eight years for them in terms of like how, like the perception of time, right? Yep. For them, it's like, man, when I was like 11 and now I, I've been listening to this guy for two straight years and I need somebody fresh, which is why I never, I try to, I try to yeah. let, let kids go to a different coach at maximum two years. I'm like, that's it. Go somewhere else. Yep. You yep. need to hear a different voice. And 100%. so I think that's cool that you guys also have that just, I guess as part of your culture, because you also don't want coaches to start feeling like this is the kid that I've got, like, this is my little protege. 
because yeah. the reality is it takes a village for us to all create 100%. good players and good good athletes 100 and we all share this like there's you know for example one of the things that we do is like same day coaching sessions and you know very rarely there's a customer i work with and i just happen to be taking my first vacation in like four years this coming weekend and he's racing and i'm not available so another coach i've sent them all the notes on this customer i sent them exactly what we're working on what they're what to look for and now i can hand them off to this next coach and there's no like oh don't steal my customer no i'm like here's everything right i want to make sure you make a big impact for them because they're part of the blaze ecosystem we as coaches are all part of the blaze ecosystem they're if they're successful it's going to help us all continue to grow and all make a bigger impact and that's really we've been really fortunate to set that culture within our or within our coaching team well that also helps to have that culture bleed through to customers because you also don't want them to get super covetous of one coach or another. They need to be able to say, Hey, I got to learn from anyone that you'll give me basically. Yep. hundred percent. And that's why we take the time to curate, find really great coaches. We're not going to be a platform that has 20,000, 10,000 coaches on it. That's not our aspirations. Our aspirations are high quality and, and continue to invest in automation and technology to help scale our coaches in a way that still keeps it individualized. Um, so we'll, you'll find us, Every coach we've got is, I'm I, I pinch myself with the people I get to work with and learn from, and and even as like a even as someone that's spent this long as professional racing, I talk about our pro motorcycle coach. Man, I hear him talk, and I'm like, crap! I wish I had known that or thought of things in that way when I was racing. Like I'm learning from someone like him. Um, that's the great thing about the the kind of the the level of coaches that we've got. What a lovely environment for you on a professional basis. That you know you even after racing professionally for ten years. Like you've decided I want learning to still be a part of my daily life, uh, teaching, fun. learning, whatever. I mean, it's why I do what I do, but I, I think that a lot of people sort of, yeah, maybe, maybe not everyone gets the same type of, uh, excitement or energy from it. But mm -hmm. I, I also think it's, it's, it's always nice to see people who are like, no, 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 no. I've, I done did this for a while. I got to share this experience with people. And yeah, I definitely recommend anyone to go check out your, uh, your TEDx talk. Cause I, I thought it was great. <laughs> <Appreciate that. laughs> yeah, it was cool. I mean, it was, it's a good racing story and, and yeah. a good athlete. It's a good, it's a good story of someone who just had to go through these different things. And, you know, I, there, there were moments where, when you talked about, I think as you won, uh, you guys won the Sebring or was it, uh, no, you won the Daytona. Was that yeah? It was Daytona. So the 10x talk was like shit, like eight years ago. I'm trying yeah, to think yeah, back yeah. to even like how what it was. But yeah, we just well, won don't Daytona. worry. You look, you look the same. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think you guys won Daytona, and and for like a week you were sitting there going, "Oh, I'm gonna get offers. I'm ready. Like deals are coming." And then like two weeks, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Wait, like is this gonna happen?" And just like hearing that uncertainty and thinking about how all of us when we went through sports there are these moments where you're just kind of waiting for someone else to just give you some kind of affirmation that you did great, that you did well, and that you deserve another shot. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just thought it was, it was a good story. It just how you, how you went through and dealt with that. And, um, and then listen, I also listened to a couple of your podcasts with other soccer coaches and it, it is, it was interesting hearing their points of view on certain things. Mm -hmm. Um, and the fact that you're just driving out going, you know, talking to people from this sport and getting a lot of us to 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 rethink as well the way we're doing things. I think it's great. It's we, yeah. we need invaders in our sports to come in and shake things <laughs> well, up. It's very it's important. It's just different it's different perspectives, right? And I think, you know, what I realized is what what's working over here 
this share of knowledge, what's the, the, the ecosystem, the economics, the, how all of this works applies everywhere. Right. So why not, why not do this? And, and it, it's a, it's, it's combined learning, right? We're not coming into soccer and saying, this is how things should be done. I went out and found the best coach I could find in Mike. And I said, Hey, this is what we do in motorsports. Does this even make sense in soccer? He was like, dude, yes, this is what we like. This is something we need, but we need this and we need that. And we're, we're launching and we're, 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 we're changing. We're always testing, right? We're trying different things because, you know, now like one of the things that we're trying to do internally is every month you get calls with your coach. That's really challenging when you've got youth athletes in different time zones that are really freaking busy. So like what we're trying to figure out now is the model of that live element in, in conjunction with the asynchronous coaching sessions, because you need to get to know somebody, you need to have conversations. So, oh, yeah. you know, we're trying to figure out like, what does that look like? And we're going to be bringing in like a, one of the people I'm really excited about is the, the head, the leadership coach for the U S men's national team. We're going to be starting to work with, and we're gonna have monthly calls with him. And, and as he talks about team dynamics and teammates and stuff like that, and bringing in these other experts and, and opening that door and opening the, the platform so you're not just learning with your coach and just the tactical you're learning about physical you're learning about mental you're learning about leadership you're learning about all these things in a live environment that fits around your schedule and it's it's really tough to do um we still have a lot of work to do um but you know we're really i've been blown away at the reception and, and the feedback we're getting from people like yourself um so i just hope we can continue to, to execute well and hopefully help some players get a little bit better along the way well, again, I, I wish you like all the luck. And I, I, like I Appreciate said, I'll, I'll definitely, I'll definitely be recommending this option, especially to some of our high school boys who, cause mm -hmm. they have, they, we, you know, we veil every one of their games. Yeah. They also sort of are at that age where there's a little bit more of like a, and there's like an impetus at this point right now, because mm -hmm. the clock's ticking on their careers as youth players. It's like, okay, I got to like, learn from this i gotta be able to there's a know, sense get... of urgency they've got now right and like sure, what does that yeah. mean to them yeah yeah as if they if they want to play in college or whatever if they want honors as some mm -hmm. sort some sort of honors from playing at the high school level like they've got to do it and uh it's it's something that just ropes in the idea of like what do you want to invest in yourself for your performance and there's a lot of snake oil nowadays and what kinds of things people are are sort of providing. So the fact that you guys are like, no, we really, really go through our coaches. This isn't like Joe Castle, who's got an amazing like Instagram following because <laughs> his, you know, his videos totally. are just like, there's a lot more thought through it. So I just think it's, it's a very like just helpful, appropriate thing that needs to be mm -hmm. part of the ecosystem right now. 100%, 100%. Look, I really appreciate you you having us on and and, and the feedback you've given and, and the help that you've given as well. Um, you know, it's been a, it's been a lot of fun. And I, I'm a big fan of, of the podcast and I'll be continuing to learn on and just really appreciate you. You having me on. It's been a lot of fun talk, just talking sports and performance and soccer. Well, and I will say that this is one of the most important things that I've been learning, not learning, but like really watching happen over the last couple of years here. Um, by doing the podcast, uh, like I, I just have started to really connect with different types of people and have found that, that, that there is a community of people who want to think about either the, the game that they're in, the sport that they're in, what their role is, like if they're coaches or whatever. And just by doing this and also in, in coaching at the high school that I work with, it's just, 
if you can build a proper community of a, a lot of right, you know, common thinking people who want to advance mm-hmm. really the culture of of youth sports and 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 learning in general, it goes so much deeper because now you have connections to people you can send the right way. I think we've struggled with that for a really long time um, and technology's given us an option here. And so I think that there's these cool ideas uh, help bring people together. So, I mean, I, I'll definitely be staying in touch with you, Dion. So absolutely. Uh, and, Please and I, do. For sure. And look, I, I, I just think that there's so many people that can take from learning from actual people who have made it uh, to a professional level. I'm, I'm always happy to educate my players in the best way I can, but I didn't get there. So sometimes hearing those kinds of messages is like, it, it's it's unique. There's not a lot of com- companies, I think, that are doing what you're doing. So props, man. Absolutely. well done. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Looking forward to it. And thanks again for having me on.